hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Paul Bestel. This is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 156, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. Paul, my friend, we have been on a journey tonight. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've got my door locked, and I'm watching the skies. <laughs> yes, of course, that's in reference to comments from a U.S. Was he a, a congressman? I believe so, yes. He just was an interview. It's two minutes, and the last thing he says as he walks up the camera is, lock your doors, which is a great way to, to terrify millions. I was thinking that, you know, it's it's just, I feel like you should elaborate on that maybe a little bit. I think as a public servant, perhaps you you have a debt. And I also love the idea, as you pointed out, that something could cross the gulf between stars, but would be stopped by my kitchen door. <laughs> Thank God for double glazing. <laughs> Speaking of doors, we have a guest <laughs> coming up on this episode. We've already recorded it, but you, you, will, you will hear it soon. That guest, of course, is our good friend Kev Eustis from The Dark Paranormal, and we need to talk about ghosts. And we are telling stories uh, which center around horses. And I think, honestly, Paul, and not to spoil anything for our listeners, but the the biggest appeal to this is uh, <laughs> towards the end, something starts happening in Kev's house. And this is it's not a put on. This is not a gag. We don't do that kind of thing. But it surprises even us and him especially. Yeah. yeah. I think we should call this episode, We Need to Talk About Kev's Ghost. <laughs> you are not wrong. It. Yeah, I, again, I don't want to spoil it, but I, when I saw that thing happen, I thought, no, this isn't really happening. And sure enough, it was. And sadly, of course, we do not record the video. I wish we did, but, um, yeah, you, you'll have the audio, so you'll hear it and we will have the memory. Hopefully Kev will be alive tomorrow and will he will have the memory as well. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a memory he doesn't want. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I did, man, I did like the the initial because you know, as as a fellow cat owner, none of my cats close the door behind them. Well, no, no. I I when he suggested <laughs> that, I thought we'll just let him have that. He needs this more than I do right now. Oh, she closed the door. <laughs> and then sure, it did yeah. it again. <laughs> All that was missing was a creak. Oh, I know. Again, I get. <laughs> oh, folks! Again, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But before all that, I wanted to remind everyone that the brand new ghoststoryguys.com is up. You can order print-on-demand merchandise directly from there. So we've got uh, all kinds of cool stuff. We've added some new designs, like al- uh, like pardon me, episode covers. So we've got episode covers for Ghosts of Miami, The Mystery of Missing Time, The Haunting of Chicago, or High Strangeness in Chicago, all of which you can order on stickers or t-shirts. And we also have our classic neon designs and lots of other cool stuff. And you can get all of that at ghoststoryguys.com. Also, I want to shout out my own show. I want to plug my own uh, new podcast, Weird Together. And that has been a video live show that I've done every month or so with Joseph. Uh, Of course, Joseph Camo, host of the football show, The Cardinal Rule. By the time this comes out for general release, so Tuesday, we will have released our first audio-only episode. And Weird Together is a show where we talk about the latest in independent horror films, 
And on the most recent episode, we'll be talking about the ultra independent horror film Skinamarink. So if you want to hear me nerd out about movies, search for Weird Together everywhere you get your podcasts or check the show notes to this show and I'll post a link there as well. And of course, I wouldn't have time to do any of those things without our patrons. This one's for the patrons. Patrons, I can't think of a clever metaphor or a simile or whatever the hell you call it. So we're just going to say. Locky doors. <laughs> Watch the skies, lock the doors. But really though, guys, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate your support. It means the world to us. Everyone who listens to Ghost Story Guys, you help make the show what it is. But patrons are the ones who allow the show to continue. It is a gift beyond imagining, and we deeply, deeply appreciate it. And so we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we would especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are Jennifer Connor, Sophia Wilde, Miranda Andropont, Lee Stewart, Margaret Maddox, Big Mike 247, Mariah Jenkins, Janet Kovacevic, Julie Hicks, William Rusnak, Dan. Again, thank you so, so much. Patrons new and old, you mean so much to us. We appreciate your support. And if you want to join the team, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. And if you listen to the end of the show, we'll tell you about all the cool stuff you get. But we will say here, for a dollar a month, you get an ad-free feed. And who doesn't want that? Ads suck. And for more information about all of that, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. Finally, one last thing, a shout out to our composer, Rainy Days for Ghosts. Rainy Days for Ghosts is a project of film journalist and composer Jerry Smith. You can find Rainy Days for Ghosts streaming everywhere. You get your music. And if you want to hire Jerry to score your next project, shoot them an email at rainydaysforghosts at gmail.com. All right, Paul, we have a fabulous set of interviews and stories and paranormal shenanigans to get to. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and meet up with our friend, Kev Eustace. Welcome back. As we said before the break, on this episode, we have the pleasure of a guest storyteller, our most frequent guest at this point. He is, this is his third, fourth appearance on this show, I think. Yeah, this is his fourth appearance on the Ghost Story Guys, and we love having him every time. You know him as the host of the smash hit show, The Dark Paranormal. We need to talk about ghosts. He is the one, the only, Kevin Eustace. Kev, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. And that was a, a one hell of an intro. Bloody hell. Tell you what, when I die, you can do me obituary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love, I love the uh, cute notion that I'm going to outlive you. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> one of, one of my roommates is currently, uh, currently enjoying regular intimacy time with someone else's wife. Uh, so I suspect that, uh, my time on this earth is limited because when vengeance comes, I don't think he's going to discriminate. Fair yes. enough, yeah. And hopefully they don't listen to the podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope it's not Shotgun Frank. <laughs> well, it could be. The guy's Colombian, apparently, so that this could end any number of ways. Whoa. What floor are you on? Uh, never mind. I don't think anyone needs to know that. <laughs> yeah. 32. I'm on 32, Frank. Yeah. You can you Zuka, then. It explains that you're hiding in the cupboard anyway. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? Been good, mate. Yeah, thank you. Um just started season 10 of the dark paranormal it's uh 
going pretty well. And the we need to talk about ghosts. I always I always seem to be rather derogatory about we need to talk about ghosts in for some reason whenever I'm talking about it. And I think it's because I'm more me on we need to talk about ghosts. And as you rightly know, because we've spoke quite often, I, I tend to be a little bit less careful about what I say on we need to talk about ghosts, <laughs> should we say. Mm. It's more me. And the dark paranormal is more me on the nth degree of trying to be serious and dramatic and scary. So I enjoy we need to talk about ghosts more personally because I can get it, I can knock it out in, in an hour and have fun doing so. Right. Whereas the dark paranormal, I'm like three hours in and like, oh, I can't, that didn't sound scary at all. Redo that last sentence. <laughs> um, so yeah, but other than that, it's, uh, it's all going well. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, so I always, always love the shows. We are, we are Patreon subscribers. And I mean, as I've, as I've said before, I stole the idea of the ramble or I, I stole your ramble idea, uh, whole cloth for for our <laughs> patreon so uh, you know uh, i will continue stealing all your great ideas yes do, onwards into the future. Do. i think that's the only way progress is made <laughs> so now i'm i obviously we're on this we're on this episode we're going to tell some stories and our stories on this episode are actually going to be centered around horses because i don't know where this stuff comes from maybe it was the terrifying rutting happening next door that put the idea of stallions <laughs> in my mind i'm not sure <laughs> But either way, this episode is going to be about horses. And I wonder, are you guys, are you horse people? Are you, do, do either of you have, uh, like senators? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've never seen your legs in fairness. Well, so this it's, is a, it, yeah. it's a genuine question. Same thing with Paul. I only ever seen him from the shoulders up. <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> well, Nay, of course not. I'm like Nay. a horse in some ways. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I mean, but I just mean I'm quick. I was going to say your long flowing hair, but yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, to be honest, I've not really, you know, I think I've ridden a horse twice in my life. Um, I could never get the knack of it. It was only a trot as well, but I could never get the knack of it at all. I felt really out of sync. But I've got a cousin who uh, like owns a horse um, and she loves the horse and she's very into it and she thinks the very... She, she says the more she can communicate more with the horse than she thinks she can, like a dog, for example, which, you know, she says it, there's a very like uh, a connect connectivity with a horse. So she believes, but I think you would believe that if you own one, because they're not yeah. the cheapest by all yeah. accounts. Yeah. A friend of mine owns a livery yard in Derbyshire. So I've, I've met many of the locals horses up there and uh, I find them quite intimidating because they're bloody big. Yeah. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. That's, they, that seems to be everything I hear is just, don't let them kick you. And I think yeah. if, if the first piece of information I get about an animal is the very many and varied ways in which it can end my life, I'm not really interested. Yeah. yeah. I, am, I am amazed how, how intelligent they are. Like they'll answer the name and they'll come across if you shout them and uh, mm. they're, they're quite friendly. They like, uh, they're like a, a good nose stroke and, a, and a, an ear tickle. They're very friendly. They're all obviously very partial to a sugar cube or six. I mean, there is something, I don't know whether it's just me, same with goat's eyes. I think if you ever stare into the eyes of a horse or a goat, I, I genuinely think it, it's a, almost like a direct line to the devil himself. Oh yeah, yeah don't do you that. Know, it, it's just like a black obsidian ball and you're like, oh, getting off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lock well, eyes with madness. My friend who's got a livery yard also has a, a free roaming goat called Dorothy <laughs> that what, just wanders <laughs> around and, and that's about five foot tall. And so you'll be sort of wandering really? around- and you'll go into, she'll say, oh, can you, you know, if you're helping out, can you do this? And I've, I've looked after the, the yard from a, on a couple of occasions and stayed there overnight, which can be quite frightening when you're in 
deepest Derbyshire on a yeah. on a stormy winter's night. And then you'll just turn around. Would thou like to live deliciously? (laughs) (laughs) Dancing round. And then you'll just turn round and Dorothy will be there going, No. Did you say five feet? Paul's staring at the the camera right now and it's. um, Yeah, it's it's the top of her head. She's about five foot tall. That's not a goat anymore. That's a roommate. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrifying. (laughs) we, We have a petting zoo in Victoria, they have baby goats. Mm. And they'll climb all over you and it's, you know, they'll nibble on your shoes or whatever. And it's kind of cute. It never occurred to me that those get to the size of an Irish tough. (laughs) (laughs) This is technically now the goat story, guys, by the way. (laughs) It was always going to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul, because you're obviously, I'd say, I mean, correct. Sorry, Brennan, if this sounds like a dig and I don't mean it to. But out of the three of us, I think you're the more learned in terms of um, supernatural folklore, etc., and mm. um, things of such caliber. How dare you, you say something so true and yet so brave? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, is there anything within within a, a spectral sense that is that you're aware of, based on horses, maybe UK wise, Ireland, Scotland? I imagine it's a Celtic sort of thing for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got the Kelpie, haven't you? Which is probably the most predominantly horse associated creature in in the Fae, really. It's like a water they're, horse. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's also stories connected similarly to that where people will see a beautiful horse um and they will try to ride it and then the horse will run with them into the lake or the lock and drown them and take the their souls. So there's a lot of, of horse related mythology in in Celtic and Fae myths yeah. and stories depending on on where you are and they tend to be in scotland and ireland and, and is, is it like with many of these things is it believed in the rational sense that it's just an old wives tale to stop kids from playing their water or well that's often the uh, yeah alleged explanation but uh, i mean it's one of them isn't it i mean if you get on the back of one nobody's going to know what what, what happened well, yeah. be dead. <laughs> find out <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i yeah. just don't know whose first instinct when they see a mysterious horse is i need to get on top of that thing <laughs> I think it's one of those things that obviously as, as horses were, were free roaming up until sort of the arable age of, of four or 500 years ago, I suppose horses would be wandering around freely and people would say, oh, that looks like a good horse. I think I'll own that. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And there is, I've, I've heard stories of like spectral hooves, you know, mm-hmm. the, the sound of horses. There's quite a few stories that I've read, like of being in like countryside in the UK or... Yeah. There's one, of, of, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was um, some stately home and they had horses hooves put, coming up the gravel path. And then when they've yeah. looked out, there's no one there. So I've heard yeah. quite some stories with, in, when I say invisible, like ghostly horses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I spoke about a couple of them when I had Ruth Roper Wild on a couple of episodes hmm. and she's had a couple of episodes, a uh, couple of horse related ghost stories exactly like that, Kev, where people will be in a field or they'll be on a country lane and they'll hear the sound of a horse approaching. Yeah. And then the noise just goes past them. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing there. Yeah. It's possibly where, <laughs> where I'm taking it from in all truth. Mm. So you've got those kind of things. And obviously the old adages of uh, the amount of haunted horsemen, they're, they're always yeah. on horses, aren't they? So yeah. uh, th- th- I would imagine I would Im- next to dogs, I think horses are probably the most paranormally sighted creature out there. Now, here's a question for you. We got we had haunted horsemen because obviously that's how you got around back then. 
Do we think this means that down the road we're going to have haunted guys driving Toyota Corollas? <laughs> well, because you know what? I'm, that's a future I'm really looking forward to. There's, there's no word of a lie, right? And Becca still says, obviously it wasn't, but I swear on my mother's grave, I promise you that we were driving to Crosby one Sunday afternoon and we got to a roundabout and on the other side of the roundabout was Herbie. As in Herbie from Herbie Goes Bananas, as in Ocho, yeah. as in a little Volkswagen Beetle, literally with 53 on its bonnet yeah. and no one was driving it. And it drove around the roundabout. And I, and I was, as you could imagine, having just seen Herbie being Herbie, was like, <laughs> that was fucking Herbie. And she was like, no, there was somebody clearly driving. I was like, Becca, there was no one driving that. And that was Herbie. We need to turn around and follow Herbie. Um, but we didn't. But, yeah, because he probably needs help, Kev. Well, yeah, yeah. Or he's gone bananas, you know. He's, he's like, <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, uh, where's that end button? <laughs> yeah, but seriously, yeah. like no bit of a lie. I, I know it's if I said like I seen a Ford Cortina with no one driving it, spooky. When you say it's Herbie, it sounds like a joke, but it was bloody Herbie, and mm. I wasn't high. I wasn't on anything. It was, mm. uh, you know, was well, it an old Volkswagen or a new one? Because old, it was like it was like a replica Herbie. Yeah, like mm. a, probably on its way to a show, and I don't know whether it was done for a prank or to see people's reactions as it went past, mm. but. I mean, it's also a bit out of touch as well, considering it was like 2022 or something when we seen it. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I was going to say, I don't the, think there's been a Herbie movie since that Lindsay Lohan one in 2000, I don't know, two or three or something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, Becca will tell you if she was here now, she'd be like, no, he didn't. But I was like, <laughs> I did. No, I did. There's plenty of stories of ghost cars. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, I mean, ghost Herbie would be phenomenal, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, do think the, it was a prank. It would, it would sound to be. I mean, well, you never know. Stranger things have happened, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> this is what worries me with things like driverless cars and those light show drones now, mm. is we got we to gotta mm. parse all that shit when you're trying to determine what's paranormal and what's not. Mm. Yeah. The drone you know, thing especially, I mean, it's especially prevalent now with what's going on in the news, but you only need to see some of the displays that they can put on around the world where they're literally doing works of art in the sky with thousands yeah. of drones, mm. yet we're losing our minds over a hexagonal ball in the sky. I mean, I know that they're very different things because we don't know what these things are currently, allegedly. Um, but it just shows what we are capable of doing as you know, non-government employees, yeah. non-specialists, if you like. Yeah. I mean, we always, these days, we, we have the traditional New Year's Eve firework display, which everybody watches on, on New Year's Eve if they can remember or be able to drunkenly turned on the television at midnight to watch it. Now, I think the last four or five years, there've been these incredible drone displays running alongside yeah. them and they are just jaw dropping what they can do now. Yeah. So mo moving on from strange things in the sky, we're going to, again, tell stories of ghost horses. But before we do, uh, there was something I wanted to share with you guys because I thought it was interesting. Uh, not only the story itself is kind of interesting. Uh, no, I want to get your take on it. But also I happened to be in a coffee shop today and I read something which weirdly uh, gave some possible indication as to what happened. So the story is that I, I was contacted by a friend of mine, a friend of mine I trust very, very much, uh, probably, probably my oldest friend at this point. And he told me he had been out for a walk with his partner and they passed a house. The house is, is just across the street at the end of the block. And he said, Bren, I'd never seen it before. Now he's lived there for years. His partner also said, yeah, I, I've never seen that house before. 
this house just material, well, not materialized, but like you're well, saying, that, they're claiming it was never there to begin with. Well, that's the question. They said they've never seen it before. But I, I went and they sh- he showed me a picture of the house. I went back through Google Street View and that house has been there since t- at least 2009, mm. but they had never seen it, which is again, now there's always that thing where, you know, the robot, right? You, you perform the same actions day in, day out. Yeah. You just miss details. But both these people to not have seen this house is in this house in particular, not it just, it, it's completely innocuous. There's nothing special about it. They had somehow both arrived at the same conclusion. I've never seen this house before. And I thought, well, that's bizarre. So I, again, I went through the, the Google street views and I compared years. Now to me, what, what was interesting was that between, I think it goes from 2009 to 2012 is the first gap. So the first picture taken of it was 2009. The next was 2012. And by my lights, and I could be wrong, but by my lights, something did shift in those years. It, it appears darker somehow. Something is different about the house. It, it's a little bit, I mean, it's dirtier. Sure. It's that has something to do with it, but there's just something different about it. And now again, I thought, well, maybe I, I don't know how this shit works. Maybe, you know, there's a witchcraft thing, you know, wards of protection. So you just don't notice it, whatever. But then today I was in a coffee shop and I finally got around to starting Brett Manning's one foot in the green. Mm. And so I was sitting in the coffee shop around the corner, you know, just reading, quite enjoying myself, alternating between that and this other book I've been reading. And I found this, some fairies choose to live inside of very normal looking homes, typically old farmhouses and cottages. The only difference though, is that these homes can stand up and stroll away if they decide to change their location. Have you ever noticed a house that seems to have just appeared overnight? in an area that you frequently move through, chances are it's a fairy home. Ah, right. And now yeah. again, the house has been there for at least 15 years, but somehow it avoided their notice. And my friend's partner has lived in that house for, I think 10 plus years. So I wonder if we're, if we're taking a paranormal explanation here, if there was something there that has since moved on. Well, is there a way, interestingly, because you know, like on Zoopla, for example, you can put in a property and it will tell you when it last sold. Mm. It would be interesting if you put that property in and it said sold, for example, the month before they noticed it. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if we have a service like that here. I'll have to look into that. Because mm. even on the, the land registry as well here in the UK, you can see when it was first built and how many times it's been sold and what the average price was and the last time it went for. So yeah, that's mm. an interesting point that kept, cause it might be, might be that as daft as it sounds, it didn't want to be seen or for whatever reason, whatever was in it or whoever owned it didn't want it to be seen. And that's why they, they're surprised it now appears in their vision because it's never either stood out or it's hidden itself away on purpose. Well, that was kind of my thought was that whoever had been there before, intentionally had some method to keep it beneath notice. Mm. And I wondered if, if whoever it was had moved on, I couldn't find a way to look up recent sales. I know you can, you can request a title search, but you have to go and actually physically pay for those Mm. last I checked. So I don't think it's something I can do online, especially from the other side of the country. But I, I was just wondering if you folks had ever, either you guys had ever heard anything like this. No, I mean the nearest, the nearest to it that we, that I'd say is similar is we had a house on a very old street that was abandoned for years. Um, and 
we used to, we like you couldn't get into it. It was like literally chain fenced off. It was just abandoned, derelict. And then it, somebody bought it and demolished it and rebuilt from the ground up. And it was like a state of the art house then, apparently. And the rumor mill went that the owner who then moved in and like paid for the rebuild lived there two months and vacated it and it was left empty again. And the neighbors around there said it was because things were flying around the house and all this. And they were basically thrown out of the house by whatever was in the house. And the, the longer rumor goes that that's what happened to the previous tenants of the house. And it's to do with the land that it's built on. But again, it, they could all just be absolute bollocks, but that's the, <laughs> that's the closest to, to that sort of stuff. The only one that I, that springs to my mind when you talk about houses that was, I can't remember what show it was on, but there was a very famous case about some children finding a house in the middle of the woods that they'd played in every day that they had never seen before. Um, and then everybody started looking for it and um, some paranormal researchers investigated it and found it was very peculiar and, and, and very strange. And then it was explained away that, oh, well, perhaps they they looked at it at the wrong time of year and it had always been there and they'd just forgotten that they'd seen it every day. Sure, that seems likely. So yeah. I'm trying to think what I saw that on. Like it's 30, 40 years ago since that, that story, I first saw that story. I can't remember what it was on. Might be a lot strange but true from the 90s. Trying to think. Okay. I've dropped a link in the chat. Yeah, mm. just look, and it looks like a house that would, Paul, I imagine it's the same round your way, but like a lot of our houses, are, uh, the, the terraced or the semi-detached, there's yeah. not a lot of detached houses mm. um, like that. But that does look like a house that could just disappear, to be fair. <laughs> there is something <laughs> about it. Just yeah. sucked back like poltergeist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> round where I live, it's very odd that it's a very desirable place to live. So property prices are stupid, as they probably are, as you're same in your area, Kev. Um, yeah. And you you will come on these streets and you've got these houses that are going for, you know, people are paying 20, 30,000 more than the asking price at the minute around here. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll see, and then there'll just be a house that no nobody's done anything for 60 years. And it's, you know, it's not double glazed, really old fashioned doors. There's ivy everywhere. They just look odd. When something looks out of place, it just looks odd, I think. Yeah. And that in itself makes you wonder, why is this house like that? Why has does this put – you kind of want to know more about the house without it actually saying anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you have a look at that link I sent you, you can see where it says, see latest date. Go back to May of 2009 and then look at July of 2012. Oh yeah, that demon's not in that picture, is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, oh, lighting. yeah, no, that's that. That's something's very different between those two. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just the time of day it was taken. There's no, not, no, they're not the same thing. It's just it look, looks more derelict, doesn't it? It looks like absolutely. I mean, the two thousand nine picture looks lovely. That, that looks looks lovely. Yeah, yeah, and it's and like the grass is green. The stairs up to it look fine. Nothing. It looks like that house in 2009 has been untouched until 2022. Not a lick yeah. of paint, not a bit of any renovation, the grass, everything just left as it was. How very bizarre. So that's, mm. that's my, that's my strange story for, uh, for the opening of the episode. Again, my, I mentioned my, I sent the, that clip from one foot in the green over to my friend and he said, boy, well, I hope that means they're gone. I said, well, <laughs> 
It sounds like that's the case. So you should, you should be all right, but maybe, you know, don't stare at it too much. I'm mm. fixated with this now, mate. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm literally clicking through every month. And listeners, I'm very sorry that I cannot share the location with you, but because I know we've had people say, stop saying shit if you can't show us. And I, well, I'm sorry. This stuff is cool and we like to share, but sometimes, sometimes there are things which we cannot, cannot reveal. And it's, it's not about, uh, it's, we're not trying to tangle it in front of you. We're just trying to share as much with you as we possibly can. Big fun. That yeah. could very well be. <laughs> Although there was that study just came out that said it's this black bear's Paul, so you know, we all gotta we all gotta give it up. We can all come to conclusions when we ignore all the evidence to give us the result we want, can't we? <laughs> I agree. I, I just heard that on Scathing Atheist and I thought, guys, come on. Yeah, he looked at none of the sightings other than people reporting. So he's just looked at there's been a report of a Bigfoot and no digging into what the person reported and then looked at bears and gone, oh, well, that's what it is. Because, you know, hunters are stupid because they're hunters and I'm a, I'm a scientist. Well, you know what they say, Paul, correlation always equals causation. So <laughs> <laughs> They'll be telling us the balloons in the sky next. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, I've locked my door. That's, well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's fucked. <laughs> Such a non sequitur that, wasn't it? Just lock, make sure you, anything else to tell us? No, not really. But make sure you lock your doors. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> we're six weeks into the year and I'm shit myself. I mean, I locked the door. That's because I'm worried someone's husband's going to try and kill me. <laughs> no, Should Frank, be once no. This is released. God almighty. All right. Well, from disappearing houses, we go to spectral horses. And that means it's time for the stories. So this is a sound of thunder. This account was told to me many, many years ago by my favorite uncle, way back in the 1940s before our double highways were built. The way to the Cape laid down narrow, winding roads, and often the roads were badly signposted, so it was very easy to get lost. During this time, my uncle Norm and his friend took a trip to Cape Town to visit his aunt, my grand sister. The journey from Kimberley to Cape Town was a long one. Usually this trip was made over two days. So they planned to sleep over at Beaufort West, Lanesburg, or any other Dorpy, which is a small town, that they found themselves in when they grew tired. Somewhere in the Great Karoo, they took a wrong turn. Dusk found them travelling down a very narrow dirt road. To their consternation, the car engine suddenly cut out and they rolled to a dusty halt. Percy tried a few times to restart the car, but to no avail. Norm got out the crank. In those days, the cars had a special slot in the front grille where you could insert a long piece of metal with a handle to start the car. But this was all in vain. Darkness was closing in fast, as they stood in the sandy road wondering what to do. They spied a light twinkling off to their left, thinking that there must be a farmhouse with lanterns in it. Percy decided to go for help whilst Norm stayed with the car. Percy started his trek across the field and was soon lost to view in the gathering gloom. Norm settled down to doze on the long back seat of the car while he waited. Norm was rudely awakened about half an hour later by a very grimy, muddy and shaken Percy. Percy was trembling so much that he could hardly speak. Norm, of course, asked him what on earth was wrong. Did he bring help? 
all Percy could do was shake his head. When he calmed down a bit, he told Norm his tale of woe. When Percy thought he was about halfway to the farmhouse, he suddenly stepped into a meerkat hole and measured his length on the ground. As he picked himself up, he caught the sound of horses' hooves thundering towards him. He looked up to see a man clad in a dark cloak, mounted on a large dark horse, galloping towards him. Percy at once thought it was the farmer coming to his rescue, but his joy instantly turned to icy fear as he realised that he could actually see through this dark figure. He admitted to a paralysing moment when he wet himself. He scrambled to right himself, running wildly away from the sound of the ever closer sound of hooves. The sound of galloping was right behind Percy, and he was terrified of what the horseman might do to him. He looked back, over his left shoulder, to see the rider, with the raised hand right behind him. He felt a mighty slap to the side of his face, and went down to flounder in an unseen stream. Suddenly, the silence was overwhelming as he lay cowering in the stream. He wondered what was to come next. He lay still for a few minutes and then realised that he couldn't hear any sound beyond that of the crickets that were starting to chirp. As he raised his head, he saw no trace of the horse nor the rider. He scrambled to his feet, got his bearings and ran helter-skelter over the rough terrain and back to the car. Norm was sceptical about this tale, to say the least. There was no doubt, however, about Percy's nervous state, or his grimy appearance. They decided to sleep in the car, as by this time it was totally dark. Night falls very quickly in the Karoo, as any South African will tell you. Next morning, to Norm's surprise, he noted a red hand mark on the side of Percy's face. Percy looked in the rearview mirror and ruefully confirmed this, saying that was where he'd been slapped across the chops by the apparition. As the pair was sitting, wondering what they should do next, Percy idly stabbed at the starter. The motor suddenly roared into life, to the great relief of the young men. They were able to carry on with their arduous journey. Norm never said how long it took them to find the right road, but he swore that the handprint on Percy's face never faded. That seems like a great reason never to take a road trip in South Africa. <laughs> certainly does. I mean, getting slapped off your horse. Oh, sorry, I imagined he was on a horse then, but getting slapped from a horse back rider. I can't imagine how that would happen unless the guy had really lengthy arms, like a proper leaving mm. a handprint. And then yeah. to be knocked into a stream as well. It's like, you've got no luck tonight, mate. <laughs> you would expect a crop, him to use a crop, because that would be the traditional horse rider wielding implement of uh, of punishment here anyway i would feel weird if a guy horse whipped me i would just say he had slapped me too i think i think there there's a little too much little too much crossover with fuck stuff for me to admit to have been crop whipped by some guy on a horse i don't know there's there's just some because i feel like my friends might say friend did you pay this man to do this which would be a fair question it will be a fair question. You've also got to consider things like this, for me, stories like this have an air of legitimacy to them because if, let's say, for example, that guy just wandered off into the night and some he's got into a potential 
romantic rendezvous with a woman who slapped him across the face and he's come back and thought, I've got to explain this on my face. You'd say I've gone to a fight with a local. You wouldn't say there was a ghost on horseback and he rode <laughs> yeah. up behind me and he knocked me into a stream. So for me, the more bizarre it gets, the more convinced I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair. I would probably just say I got into one of those Russian face slapping tournaments. <laughs> you ever watch those things? That is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dana White's just bought the rights to them, hasn't it? So it's a it's in the US now. It's um it's basically concussion after concussion, you know. Oh, that's it. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's was it chronic traumatic encephalopathy, the game. The home yes. game. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Dana yeah. White. You know, I, I can't remember if I told this on the show, Paul. Did I did I tell you about waking up with a slap? No, I don't think you did. So th- this happened a couple of weeks ago. I want to say just, I might've been just, just before I left here for Victoria to go back and visit Nick. But, um, I woke up, I was having, it was a weird sleep and then I, but I, it wasn't too bad. And then I, but as I was waking up, it felt like someone slapped my face. Wow. I, I felt like just as I'm rising up out of sleep, I felt like someone hauled off and slapped me and I woke up so goddamn mad. Because I, I thought, what, what is happening? But there was no one in my room. There wasn't enough time for someone to, you know, one of my roommates to come in and just prank slap me, which would be a terrifying thing anyways, because we're not that friendly. <laughs> and, um, or, or that, you know, that are that opposed to each other. We just don't feel that strongly one way or the other about each other. Um, but yeah, I woke up and there was no one around, but it felt like someone had slapped me. And did you have yeah. a mark? No mark, thankfully. No mark. That would have been hard to explain. No, baby, I swear it was a ghost. That's, uh, yeah, she's not going to buy that. You know, she's heard some weird <laughs> shit from me over the years, but that's, I think that might be hard to sell. Yeah, because we were talking about me thinking I'd suffered from exploding head syndrome, and then we worked out that it wasn't. Because I, was right. I was on about getting tapped on the head. And that was, that was the cat? No, 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 no. <laughs> when we, when the cat, when, this is a long time ago, I was saying, Kev, to Brennan, yeah. when we were talking about exploding head syndrome, and I was under the impression it it doesn't it doesn't happen it only usually happens if i'm going through some difficulties or i'm under stress that yeah. i'll be awoken in the night with the sensation of somebody tapping me three times on the head like like that what and i thought oh well, this must be exploding head syndrome that's where it is and when we looked at it that's not exploding head syndrome so i've no idea it's not happened for a ooh, three or four years but i remember it happening three or four times clearly enough to remember exactly and it wakes me up yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's so interesting that. Well, coincidentally, I, mean, I was going through the email and we had an email from a listener and I, I might actually have it up on my screen here. Let me just check. Yeah, this, this, this just came in three hours ago. Wow. Hi, I'm a brand new listener and listen to you. Only, I'm only, only in the middle of the day, only at work. I work for a government agency in the US and spend my days entering codes. So they, they're still way in the back. They're, uh, I think they're at episode 40 something. Let me tell you about the time I almost died. But they mentioned exploding head syndrome and they said, this is something I experienced quite often in my early thirties. And it wasn't until we got our dog that I realized it was just me. He's a good boy and alerts us to everything. So when the sound of a car hood being slammed, it didn't wake, didn't wake him up. I knew it was just me. Oh. Fast forward to having a thyroid condition being diagnosed and the road to controlling it. That was 15 years ago. Well, once the other symptoms started to write themselves, I noticed I wasn't being startled awake by my own head. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. And they go on to say, uh, even now, if I need an adjustment to my dosage, I will experience the heart stopping, sit up in bed sound of a car hood slam. I've never told my doctors why I know they need to test my levels, but I'm always right about the fluctuations. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Hmm. The nearest, the nearest I've had to any sort of like sort of um, sensation of um, 
you know, being jolted awake is I went through a phase. I mean, I, it's a story I've told numerous times on, on my other show, but um, I astrally projected when I was 16. Um, oh, I, somebody, a friend of mine knew I was into weird stuff. He gave me a book, which was by the Aquarium Press. And I jumped to the chapter of how to do it, read it, was sleeping on a top bunk bed, uh, listening to Sergeant Pepper on repeat on CD, three in the afternoon, felt looking at this spot on the ceiling, closing my eyes, opening my eyes, closing my eyes. Anyway, I fell asleep. Um, and then my dad came in and quite rightly said, it's three in the afternoon get out of bed, you lazy bastard sort of thing. Um, and I kind of went, I looked at him and went, all right, so well now, God, just get out. And as soon as I put my head back on the pillow, I was sitting up and I th- I remember thinking, hold on, I've just put my head on the, and before I could finish the thought, I was lying back on the pillow and I had paralysis all over my body and then pins and needles all over my body and it all slowly, I got back my functionality. Mm. And it freaked me out and made me really interested in it. And then I was, um, I started trying to do it again. I was lying down on the floor one day and trying to do the same thing, the same process. Don't move your body, remain completely still. And then I heard like a whip crack in my right ear Mm. and it jolted me like out of thing, like a proper whip crack noise. And I was like, what the bloody hell was that? Anyway, then we got a piece. This was like so long ago that we then got a house PC and you could go online and Google things. And this sound is apparently reported largely, um, or should I say often by people who try and experiment with astral projection, oh. this, this cracking sound. And it blew me away. You know, when something you get that sort of validation yeah, uh, of, uh, something strange and you think that's, is that just me? And then you Google it and you're like, Oh shit, that's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's an actual thing. Braided. My parents are from a village called Kapari in Macedonia. I was born in the States, but on occasion still visit the motherland, usually staying in the village of Kapari. I have heard a million superstitions, ghost stories, and so on from my folks and others in Kapari. It's not that I don't believe in these things. It's just that I never witnessed them for myself. In the summer of 1995, while on a two-month vacation in Kapari, I saw, and now, I believe. My grandma has a stable of horses in the barn, next to her house. One morning, the horses were dripping wet, sweating like Patrick Ewing in an overtime game, and the manes on all three of the horses were braided into hundreds of tiny braids. It would have taken years to do that braiding, but it happened overnight. When I asked what had happened, my grandmother and mother responded as if it weren't that big a deal. The belly you buy are out, they said. Apparently, the belly you buy are lady ghosts whom died over a hundred years ago, trampled by horses that the Ottoman Empire soldiers were riding. A few nights later, I was walking home from a pub. Keep in mind, Macedonian villages do not have streetlights, and it is pitch dark at night, and that's scary enough. I heard a woman whispering in my ear. I quickly turned around and saw a woman. She appeared illuminated, and she ran away quicker than Carl Lewis. I was freaked out and sprinted the rest of the way home. When I told my grandma what had happened, she told me only horses have to be scared. They have never harmed humans. Also, if I was to get scared before leaving to go outdoors at night, I had to chant, belly you buy, belly you buy, belly you buy. This, I was told, would keep me from seeing them. Belly you buy translates to white nice in English. However, it it doesn't make any literal sense. There are so many other ghosts in that village and so many stories to tell. 
Almost a whole village of Kapari is able to see them. People there don't even talk about it, as if it isn't unusual in the slightest. And so first thing is, um, this is another thing that literally just came up today in reading One Foot in the Green. Apparently that is a thing the good neighbors are said to do, is braid the hair of animals, particularly horses, when no one is around. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it mentioned with the fae. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. So I, I kind of think when they said this this name, and then they said, "Oh, it's Lady Ghosts." I thought, I don't know. That sounds more like, yeah, that sounds more like the the Oshi to me. Mm-hmm. Some people claim Bigfoot does that as well. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's a bit. Really, he braids animal hair. Yeah, horses specifically. Interesting. I mean, it, I've, I've heard several reports from Oregon and Washington State with people that have horses where they discover their horse's hair has been braided overnight and they, they've presumed that it's their, their <laughs> local hairy humanoid. All right. So follow my logic here. Follow the bouncing ball with me, Paul. So Bigfoot braids horse hair. The good people braid horse hair. Some people equate the uh, missing time and being fey led with alien abduction. There go. <laughs> Bigfoot is an alien. Boom. I win. Ultra. You call that logic, my friend. I like that logic trail. That works. Yeah. Yep. You have been defeated by science. How does it feel? <laughs> How does it taste? <laughs> no. <laughs> this call has ended. Uh, <laughs> yes. I had, I had a, a conversation with someone regarding a similar thing. You know, like where often um, there is that, or there has been that sort of correlation mentioned between Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I was saying, I wonder if maybe UFOs are aliens, but in the same way that we are, you know, where certain people are bird watchers and they will travel somewhere to watch a rare bird that's arrived. Maybe UFOs are Bigfoot watches, and that's why there's the correlation. So they're like, wherever they are, Alpha Centauri, whatever, they're like, oh, it's Bigfoot season in, in, the, in Earth. Let's pop down and see them, and that's why there's the correlation. You it, certainly, uh, it certainly makes more sense than some of the theories I've heard, especially the uh, Bigfoots are alien prisoners deposited on Earth to mine for minerals. Wow. Well, that, that sounds like someone read Battlefield Earth while falling asleep. Because that's yeah. basically what the aliens do in that. They force humans to mine for them. Yeah. Sadly, it predates, but, but, well, it doesn't predate Battlefield Earth, the film, but it certainly may have come from that book, and I wasn't aware of that connection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, as I recall, that's one of the things they have humans doing. I mean, for them, it's gold. Mm. But yeah, the humans are slaves uh, digging shit for the aliens. Mm. But yeah, I, I once saw a very heated argument from the 80s where one person was absolutely convinced that that's what Bigfoot were. And you can see, I think, was it Grover Krantz? Looking like he was about to punch this person in the face. <laughs> Getting very, very like, you could just see him flexing. Well, this is one of the reasons I really want to go to that convention that you're going to be speaking at. Not only to support my friend, because I'm proud of your, your success, but also because I want to watch you just hulk out and beat the ever-loving shit out of someone who says something <laughs> stupid about aliens or Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not planning on that. I know you're not planning on it. He <laughs> wasn't <laughs> planning on that. That sounds like part of the admission price now. <laughs> Ringside seat. Par- paranormal punch out. <laughs> I mean, I, come on. You can't tell me that you wouldn't pay money to see some people in our field get punched in the nose. Uh, no comment. Yeah, that's fair. I would. I, 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 
I wouldn't pay because I'd, I'd happily be the one doing it. Be the one. <laughs> I'll do it for free. Yeah. <laughs> there was a recent, I mean, with all of the recent, you know, the, all the stuff in the sky of late, there's one particular individual, uh, no names mentioned, who was like, you need to tune in and we're going to be discussing this topic on our podcast. We're going to be discussing this topic. We'll get to the bottom of this topic. Don't you worry about it. Tune in, tune in, tune in, tune in. I tuned in and they were just like, what do you have for your breakfast? Uh, he's like, are you going to talk about this thing at all? Nope. 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 Wow. That's crass. That'd be like me saying, tune into the next Ghost Story, guys. We're going to tell you the secret behind what actually causes ghosts. And then it's just me and Paul talking about bull's eyeballs for, for <laughs> yeah, 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a regular episode of Ghost Story, guys, basically. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, on, on next week's episode of Mysteries and Monsters, I'm interviewing Count Saint Germain. <laughs> With you though, Paul, there's a chance you are. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> part of me was like, "Is he? Hey, that's Christ of Nazareth." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be one hell of an interview. That yeah, um, it would be. Yeah, it was. It was that. quite strange because me and my partner listen to podcasts a lot. Usually, when we're we're in bed, because we like to be unsettled, and um, <laughs> we we listen to Unexplained with Richard McLean Smith quite a lot. Um, yeah. And the only episode that's ever frightened her was the one about Count St. Germain. And I couldn't understand why it terrified her so much. That's very interesting. I love it when there's something, like with my sister, it is genuinely uh, the idea of UFO attack. Mm. And she, she does not, doesn't believe in ghosts. She's not into the paranormal in the slightest or anything unexplained. The idea of UFO attack, she literally will be like, stop talking about it. Mm. So I haven't spoken to her during all of this news cycle. Um, but I can't wait to, cause it'll be amazing chat. Just watching her yeah. absolutely shit herself. Yeah. Or you could just turn up and announce that house with a giant balloon outside a window, Kev. Yeah, I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, just for our listeners who don't know, can you explain, uh, Count St. Germain? So, uh, Count St. Germain is, is a very interesting case because a lot of people Fuck. would suggest that it may be legend or whatever. However, there is a historical record of this chap existing in the mid-18th century. He was a renowned composer, moving around the courts of Europe, never growing old. And he would turn up in Germany, and he would turn up in France, he would turn up in Italy, and people would meet him 40 years after first meeting him, and they would say that he hadn't aged. So he was always around places where great historical moments would happen or he was always supposed to be uh, holding the, the ears of certain intellectuals and monarchs around the continent. And it just carried on that this person seemed to be moving around the world and not growing any older. So people were, were saying, was he some kind of alchemist? Is he a vampire? Is he a time traveler? And the stories have persisted, persisted into the modern era. I mean, so I've, he's, I've always... He's Paul occurred. Rudd. Yeah, 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 he is, yeah. There was, I'd always, because um, there's the story of the wandering Jew, isn't there? The, um, yes. Uh, the biblical thing where you, you will be Christ, apparently, or someone within the Bible said to someone else, you're going to be walking the earth forever until I return again. And he's tied in with that in one of the stories I've read yeah, in yeah. relation to him. Yeah. There's even a report of somebody encountering him on Mount Shasta. Where's Mount Shasta? Washington State, isn't it? No, Mount, Mount Shasta is Northern California. Northern California. Is he? Has he got? Interestingly enough, is, when's the last? When's the last alleged report of his? You know, 
prominence? I think that's the one from from Shasta, which I think is 40s, 1940s. Okay. Does the reporting of that predate all the other high strangeness reported around Mount Shasta? It, I, I, well, they're all very linked together, aren't they? I, I don't think that's far off after the, the whole <laughs> Lemurian story. Right. <laughs> and the cities of gold. Yeah. Obviously, it predates the UFO flaps. Right. And I know Missing 411 has some stuff. Uh, that's sort of a, Mount Shasta is a, a cluster area. Well, that's where he's, he's killing people and drinking their blood because he's a bum. Right. Of course. You'd think he'd have the nouse to change his name, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's Pete, Pete Thompson now. Pete Thompson now. Yeah. No, no, no. We just look Bill. alike, me and Count St. Germain. Paul yeah. Rudd. <laughs> yeah. Count St. Germain in Quantumania. Yeah. So it's, it's always a, a, it's one of those 14 subjects that doesn't get much coverage these days, but I've always loved it since I was a little kid. Yeah. It's a good one. It is a really good one. And it also sounds like a crack and brandy as well. Mm. Absolutely. I'll have two Count St. Germains, please. I'm George Clooney for Count St. Germain. <laughs> <laughs> My computer just spontaneously opened a window while we're talking. So that's fun. Count St. Germain is listening is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hello there. Take I tell you what, them. speaking about strange tech, um, I, was, I just done a Patreon episode. It was just a ramble. But I've got, there's an interesting, uh, well, you know, out of all of these alleged apps where you talk to the dead and all that carry on. Sure. And they're all generally bollocks. Sure. Um, but there's an interesting one called the Hope Box or something. And what this guy's done is chopped up a load of language and reversed it and messed it around. And you basically ask a question and you slide it, the volume up and then back down and it will play a segment of wherever that's up to in that. So it's still all pareidolia and stuff. But I was trying it out on my Patreon before. Um, but it, because it's random, I think it's a more interesting one. It doesn't just mm. say like, I was murdered here or anything like that. Right. You <laughs> yeah. know. So um, anyway, I said, uh, I said, could you, I said, if there's anyone there, could you say the name, either my name, my partner's name or the name of our cat? And I hired it up and lowered it down. And then it plays what it's just, the, and it literally went, meow. <laughs> and honestly, I nearly died. I was like, why the frig am I doing this on my own at night? So I, and I called I'm an, weird for watching horror movies in bed. Yeah, yeah. I called an abrupt end to the podcast there. And then I was like, that'll do. Thank you very much. Goodbye now. <laughs> Bizarre. Oh, so clearly we all need to get together for a seance when I'm over in the UK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. The paranormal crossover event of the century. <laughs> we break into Zach Baggins' house and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Whilst disguised as the Warrens. In Minecraft. In Minecraft. <laughs> Not in real life. We wouldn't do that, folks. The Stable Boy. When I was younger, I lived on Portland in Dorset, England. Portland is a pretty supernatural place, and many things have happened there. When I was about 14, we got a horse and kept him at a stables on the island. These stables were near some old abandoned windmills. In the UK, buildings over a certain age can't be taken down because of their historical importance. These windmills are believed to be medieval and are surrounded by fields but are not too far from the village. Anyway, we got our horse in the summer, so at first there was no reason for me to be at the stables in the dark. Come winter, however and it had usually gotten dark by around 4.30 in the afternoon, so by the time I got there after school and the clubs, it was dark. 
I was filling up a hay net and suddenly felt as though someone was watching me. My mum is particularly susceptible to paranormal things and I seem to have inherited this. I could tell by the feeling I got that this was a teenage boy of around 13 years old. I couldn't see him, I just felt him, and it felt like he was staring at me intently. Although he didn't scare me as much, I quickly left, went back to the stable, finished what I needed to do, and headed down the track to wait for my mum to pick me up. The following days, his presence was there whenever I filled up the hay nets, but every day he would get closer. By the weekend, I could still feel his presence even in the day. I started to see him out the corner of my eye. He was tall and thin with dark hair. He was wearing a white shift shirt and brown trousers with no shoes. All the time, he was becoming more and more visible to me. I started to get worried, and as I said, he didn't feel malevolent. He was becoming intrusive, which was something I was not used to. Cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't yet mentioned anything to my mum, as I didn't like discussing supernatural things so much as I was younger, as I found them unsettling. Anyway, one evening when I was getting in the car, my mum asked me if anyone else was at the stables that evening. I explained that I was the last one left, and she went on to ask if that was true. I looked at her a bit sheepishly, as if I had been accused of being untruthful, which I guess was the case. I explained I was the only person there, but that I had felt that someone else was with me in the yard. My mum went on to say she knew about the boy and had explained her experience with him. She believed he was from the 1500s and that he had visited the yard before, but no one had ever noticed him. She went on to explain that because I could sense him, his presence became stronger and stronger. A couple of nights before she had looked after my horse for me, she said she had felt him follow her down to the car. She knew he was behind her, but wasn't bothered. However, when she sat in the car and switched the engine on, she looked out of the window to see him leaning over, looking directly at her through the car window. It made her jump and she left straight away. She went on to say that she had noticed him follow me down the track to the car, but he had stopped halfway. I got really scared then, but my mum told me to tell him that I was glad he was excited to have someone who noticed him, but I still found that a bit scary. The next time I saw him, I said all that, and since then, the only time I ever felt him watch me was from a distance. So I have to be totally honest. I don't know what happened in that story because I was waiting for Paul to say malevolent. <laughs> I noticed on the script the word malevolent getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, rem I recall the struggle um, a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> Um, it's, it's just one of those things you get. I'm sure you get it, Kev. There's, occasionally you'll read words and it's like you've, it's like yeah. they're Latin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all, it's all those words that you're saying, you, you, you forget what they mean because you repeat it so often. You're like, oh yeah. What am I even saying? Turquoise always does it for me. It's like, yeah. if I say turquoise 10 times, I'm like, I don't, what is it? What even is it? David Ike will tell us. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my, my word is I was, I always tell Paul, I was like, mine is, I, I can't even say, cloak. Paul, what's the word that I can't say? Is it colloquialism? That's one. Thank you. Colloquialism. Yep. Yeah. Can't. Colloquialism. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, colloquialism. There you yep. go. Yep. <laughs> but you know, it turns out uh, like when I've, um, when me and Becca sometimes do like a story from Reddit or something, if um, it turns out I say children and she mm. howls at it, 
because he says I'm pronouncing it C-H-U-L. It's like children. <laughs> and that's what I do. And and I go, I go, well, what should it be then? Children. And she's like, no, children. And I'm like, children. <laughs> no, children. It's children. <laughs> and it, it, we have this argument all the time. And yeah. she's right. It's ch- chilled. I can't even say it. <laughs> because I say children, children, children. That sounds, that somehow that sounds more right to me than the other one. I don't know. I, I think she, she, she's wrong on this one. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm so. Because you. children sounds like the chilled. Yeah, children. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> children. No, no, you're not. No, no. no. You're, if they're right, cold, so. you're cold, whatever. Bring them inside. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. call them bands. Yeah. Parents. <laughs> Good point, yeah. <laughs> I feel, I feel, that's one of those words that you can't say unless you're Scottish. I feel like it's it's hard to get away with that. It's like uh, like we were talking earlier, I think, off air about competitive eating. And I mentioned that I've been, that I've started, you know, I, I will periodically watch one of these YouTubers uh, who does competitive eating. And the thing is, you know, he does a lot of events in the UK or he just was on a tour of the UK and he's as American as anything. And when he talks about what he gets, if he wins the contest, he keeps saying quid. Right. And it just doesn't, it, to me, that doesn't sound right for an American to say it. This yeah. is 45 quid. Nope. Just say pounds. Just say pounds. <laughs> yeah. This does not sound right. Mm. And the, that was one thing I remember, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of Jeremy Clarkson, but I used to be before I realized what a jackass he was. And, um, he, he talked about hanging out with Christian Slater and he said, if I have to listen to Christian Slater say mate in his American accent one more time, I'm going to shave his face off with a cheese grater. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who's, who was American who used to say, it was always so bizarre to hear him say fiver or tenner. He'd be like, could you borrow me a fiver? And I'd be like, uh, yes, but don't use that. Just say five pounds. Yeah. We call kids in, in Yorkshire Bairns. Well, Yorkshire, I can see you guys getting away with that. But I, I, if I said Bairns, I would be beaten with a sock full of quarters and I would deserve it. Bairns and babbies. We say, we say bin lids. Yeah, bin lids, kids. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And like, so it, just- it's shortened to lids now. Where's your lid? You know, yeah. so... Yeah, that, that's another thing. Rhyming slang. Anyone from my side of the ocean who tries to use rhyming slang should be just slingshotted into the sun. Uh, <laughs> into the current bun. And I'm asking Don't mock my people, Kev. I'll kick them up the apples and pears. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's one for you. Like, cause we, it turns out like, like my family's got a lot of sayings that aren't sayings, but mm. because we use them as a family, I assumed they were sayings. Mm. So for example, I mean, up the dances is up the stairs, but it turns out quite a few people use that. Mm. Um, so there's just been a bang behind me. And after you saying, you're seeing that, I hope it's just a cat anyway. Um, and another one is either way that, um, either way the mop flops. Right. Um, <laughs> Another one, and either way, the cat jumps is one we use as well, which means um, either way, the cat jumps, it dies. So it basically means no matter what Jesus. you do, the, the outcome's the same. But the funniest oh, okay. thing was when I said this to Becca and I, I said to her once, well, either way, the cat jumps, we, we're going to end up there. She went, either way, the cat jumps. And I went, yeah, you know, that saying, like it, it, either way, the cat jumps, it, it dies. And she was like, what? <laughs> and then when we went to my sister's house, I said to my sister, Becca's never heard the saying, either way, the cat jumps. And my sister, thinking this would make sense, went, yeah, it's the same as either way, the mop flops. And Becca was like, <laughs> I've, got, I've no idea what this is. <laughs> so I, I always have to, anytime I'm about to say what I think is a normal saying, I have to say, just to check, like, 
is this normal? And I'll say it and she'll either say yes or never say that out loud again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, see, the challenge is to, is, I, I have that happen, but it's like with childhood memories. I'll describe an incident from my childhood. And I'll say, you know, you like that happens. And my friends will all look at me like I've said something deeply sad and need a hug. Oh, no, no, this is normal. You know, like, no, Bren, that's not normal. Are you okay, big guy? <laughs> I'm fine. You're weird. <laughs> <laughs> the procession. This happened in Scotland, Drunmore, on the B7065, New Year's Eve 2014. Four of us, my best mate and our now ex-girlfriends, stayed in a cottage for New Year. New Year's Eve came around and we got very drunk and a bit high. And at one point I mistakenly had codeine instead of paracetamol. This concoction made me quite sleepy. So I fought it off and went to wake myself up and got another beer and see midnight. By this time it's about 11pm. Another hour of music and beers had passed and I was feeling good. So when midnight arrived we decided to go for a walk down the road. Me being a bit pissed and on a dark and spooky road, with not much around, I really wanted to run ahead, hide and jump out on the other three walking behind me. So that's what I did. I took off to find a bush to hide in. But what happened in those few minutes was really strange. Because of the drugs, the night remains foggy for me, and I don't remember a lot. Apart from this one very clear moment, where I felt as though I sobered up for 10 seconds when I saw it appear on the road. I don't remember stopping, but I do remember standing still, and suddenly there it was, a horse-drawn carriage, two black horses and a woman in classic Victorian white dress, and a big hat walking in front of the horses. She may also have been carrying flowers, She then looked my way, smiled and waved. I waved back in utter bewilderment. It all felt like I was moving at half speed and I tried to say something but nothing came out. I was more fixated on the woman and paid close attention to her. She was about two to three metres away from me. I didn't look at or notice any driver, but in the space of ten seconds I seemed to remember a black shape that looked like it could have been the carriage driver slightly hunched over but my eyes didn't move from her. She was very clear and kind of glowing and gave off a very friendly energy. When my friends caught up, which I don't recall, I'd forgotten about hiding because, you know, I'd just literally seen a ghost. They saw me looking around in the road and they asked me what I was doing. So I asked my mate, Gary, did you see that woman in the carriage go past? I think we all went back home at that point. My research on this has told me that a woman walking in front of a horse-drawn carriage like that is mainly for funeral processions for her husband. So there we go. I got to say, the first thing that struck me about that was just what a terrible mistake it would have been accidentally swapping codeine for paracetamol, which I I think is Tylenol here in North America. Yeah, it's cocodamol over here. It's, um, It's widely used and abused, sadly. In our family, it's referred to as pensioner pills, codeine, codeine, <laughs> because they seem to be, once you reach a certain age, the doctors just seem to go, well, you, you're dying. All right, here's, here's 300 like, high-strength codeine tablets. 
So if anyone has a really bad migraine, they would use, they used to go to my grandparents and be like, can I have a pensioner pill? And um, <laughs> you'd be given like two really strong painkillers and then just spend a nice afternoon walking around. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they can't fuck you up. Funny to say that when my stepfather uh, died in 2013, he, um, he died, he had cancer and the doctors gave him these horse tranquilizer sized uh, morphine pills. Mm. And of course he only ever used, he was very resistant to that kind of stuff. So he just kind of took the pain. He was of that generation. Well, I, I don't even say of generation. He's just of that disposition. He's one of those guys. Right. And when he passed, obviously we had, we were cleaning up his stuff and yeah, there was this enormous bottle of, you know, thumb sized morphine tablets. And we thought to ourselves, well, I guess we just, I mean, we don't, we're not, we're not going to take these fucking things. So we took him back to the pharmacy and we just said, look, you know, do with these what you will, because we don't want them. And to say that they looked shocked that yeah. we were giving back probably thousands of dollars in street value worth of morphine yeah. would be putting it mildly. If Christ, the King of the Jews, walked in immediately after us, they would have been less surprised. There would have been nowhere up for them to go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at the same time, what was you meant to? Uh, the flip side is Brennan stood on a street corner going, "Hey, man, I got the goods. You got the money." <laughs> you know, which, which I mean. I possibly, actually, no, I didn't know drug dealers back then. I know drug dealers now. <laughs> Moving yeah. swiftly on. And we've been working very well together. <laughs> right. we have a wonderful, thriving business. How do you think, I think podcasting pays the bills? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a strange place, that that little uh, little place in Scotland. It's a long history of witchcraft around there. Really? Really? Mm. Yeah, it's a weird place because it's actually, if you look at a map, if you draw a line, it's actually under the English border, but it's on the southwestern tip of, of Scotland. I think it's the, it's something really odd, like the the most southern village in Scotland, which is essentially parallel with England. Isn't is is it anywhere near where? I mean, because the only witch related Scottish thing I've I've got knowledge of is is uh, Berwick. Oppo- um, uh, I think it's the opposite side because Berwick. Oh, is it okay. Newcastle side? Isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, My Drum- geography is terrible. And Drummore's Cumbria. Uh, it's, I think it's across from Workington, Barrow, that area. Right. Okay. So that's West Barrow. Yes. West Scotland. Yeah. West England as well. Yeah. 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 There's a, I'm sure I've read a story somewhere about someone chasing after a giant hare and shooting it with a three, a threepenny bit and it, and it limped off into the, into the uh, hedgerow. And when they got there, there was a, a woman laying there with an injured leg. Ooh, and I shall turn into a hare with mickle care or whatever it is. Mm. I always remember reading that in um, one of the, when I was a child, one of the um, books that was often rented out from the library, I can't even remember what it was called, but it had a spell in it to turn into a hare. Mm. Um, and it was something like, I shall turn into a hare with something, something and mickle care, and I shall go in the devil's name till whence I re- will return again. So mooted mm. me or something. And it allegedly would turn you into a hare. It never mm. did, because I'd be stood in the school library reciting this <laughs> and checking my feet and being like, why did I turn into a hare? <laughs> Riding school. I always loved horses. I used to spend most of my summer holidays at the horse riding center of my village with my two best friends, Michaela and Michael. Michael was the owner's nephew, and he and his family lived on the horse riding center. He also had a little sister, who was six at the time, and not allowed to play with us. In Italy, we have three months off school during the summer, and that particular summer was a hot one. As I recall, we were 13 years old. 
We usually met around 1 p.m. at the horse riding center and stayed there all day. Because of the heat, no one else wanted to be around, even the owners, so we were alone in the stables. We used to lock ourselves in the saddlery, which was a pretty small and dark room, with a barn on top of it where the owners used to put old saddles and stuff. You could access the barn slash roof with a wooden ladder. It was, and still is, a very old building. During the 30s, it was used as a stable for cows. We enjoyed telling stories and talking about things in general, though we stayed away from ghost stories as Michael was afraid of the paranormal. One day, we were locked in the saddlery as usual. I was sitting on a saddle with the door on my left, Michael at the end of the room with the lockers behind him, and Michaela sitting in front of me. I was listening to Michaela when I absent-mindedly looked at Michael and saw one of the lockers slowly opening. There was no wind or anything. I didn't have the time to say anything before I saw fear in my friend's eyes. He knew exactly what was going on at his shoulders. We ran like crazy towards the door, Michael falling on his knees. When we calmed down, we tried to explain what happened. There was no wind, and it was impossible for the locker to open by itself because you have to pull and push in order to open. It was also unlikely that it was already left open because everybody knows that mice could easily enter and eat everything you have in it. Michael, being so easily frightened, couldn't sleep for a while after that incident. Weeks after the first encounter, we were still playing in the barn, this time just outside the saddlery. Michaela was sitting at the edge of the saddlery roof, which is about two and a half meters off the ground, with her legs dangling. At some point, she yelled, Nicole, get off the barn. You know you can't climb up here. Nicole was Michaela's little sister. Me and Michael looked surprised, actually seeing something that looked like a girl. She, or it, disappeared shortly after, and Michaela actually flew down the barn, scared as hell. After that, we ran to Michael's parents to tell them what happened, but they both told us it was just our imagination. We were disappointed in them, because we knew what we had seen, and there was no way we all imagined the same thing, especially not at the same time. Years passed, and one evening when I was in my 20s, we were all eating and drinking at the horse riding center. Michael's father suddenly told us that there were nights he would hear the radio turning on in the salary. They lived close to it, but even so, that radio must have been very loud in order for them to hear it. He also said that sometimes the barn lights would turn on by themselves. He and his wife were too scared to take a look because there were no houses around for miles and miles, just a horse riding center, and so they were afraid that some bad people were trying to lure them away from their home to rob or do other bad things. After all that time, we finally knew that what we had seen and experienced was truly real. And I I don't know if it's maybe just because I've spent the last two weeks watching a bunch of different, uh, and they call them Polizioteschi films, these sort of violent social dramas set in Italy in the 70s, but I very much would not want to be alone in the Italian countryside. <laughs> no, I think any countryside in general for me is, um, it, it's, th- there's something quaint about it. There's something lovely about it, you know, when you think, oh, lovely little day in the countryside. But I, anytime I've been to the countryside in general, I always find somewhere where I think, sod spending the night there you know there's some like decrepit <laughs> old building or you know you go past a woman in the street who looks at you as if to say i've been here for 300 years <laughs> <laughs> you've always been the caretaker mr eustace exactly yeah yeah it's um so i think i'll, I'll i tend to give the countryside a wide berth i always like to envisage myself taking i've always said to becca i'd love to have like the time to spend three months in the countryside and i'd write a novel 
but in reality, I mean, you've you've seen what I'm like here. We're just doing this this stream now, and you mentioned you may have seen something behind me, and already I'm I'm, I'm wanting to burn the house down. So there's no <laughs> chance of me spending a night in the countryside alone. <laughs> I I remember when we got married, we stayed at a at a cottage in uh, Cornwall, and uh, I just every noise, every noise was either uh, some kind of horrible revenant risen from the grave to take our lives or an axe wielding murderer or both. And yeah. like you, man, I, I'm a creature of the city. Even sometimes Victoria is a little, is too quiet. You know, Montreal, it's a lot busier, so I, I don't have to think about it. Although I, a couple nights ago I was bored. So I went out to this part of town uh, called uh, St. Henri and I'm sure I'm saying it incorrectly and I'm sure someone from Quebec will write in to tell me again, but, um, it, it's very, it, I went to a bar just to check it out, but it's very quiet there at night. And uh, all of a sudden I found myself thinking, Hmm, I'm quite exposed here on the street, aren't I? And then yes, every, every noise was either again, a revenant or an axe wielding maniac or, or both. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I recall once after an, well, there was an FA cup final going back about 20 years. And I think Liverpool or Everton were in this FA cup final and I'm I'm not that interested in football, to be honest, you know, I, I take or leave, I follow it, but I'm not an ardent fan of either, um, either side. But I left, we were watching it in my mate's house and I left um, on a Sunday afternoon and we'd all been partaking in um, a, a couple of joints, shall we say. And I left in a rather giddy state <laughs> because it was a local team in the final, the streets were empty. And it was the afternoon and there was literally not a car on the road. And you know, when you're a little bit high, you're walking around. I was like, after like 10 minutes of walking home, I was like, has the rapture happened? Like (laughs) genuinely, there's there's no one here. And I started to freak myself out. Honestly, I've never been so petrified during the day uh, than that. I could have genuinely couldn't see another soul. I was like, there's got to be at least a bus. Surely something's going to happen. Um, but it turns out, you know, it was just me being ultra paranoid. Obviously the rapture did not happen. <laughs> um. A dream of Colwood from Ray Venn. I have always been sensitive to ghostly encounters and I have had extremely vivid dreams my whole life. So much so that counsellors over the years have encouraged me to write them down the minute I wake from them. Let's just say that this won't be my only dream that I share with you, but that's for another time. Today I'm finally getting around to telling you about one of my weirdest dreams and the weird events that would happen after. I was working in the oil and gas industry as a paramedic away in camp in northern BC. The camps I stayed in were always dry camps in the middle of nowhere. The one I was staying in during this dream was in Pink Mountain, BC. Don't blink or you'd miss it. This correspondence is between my friend, let's call her Sam, and myself. Sam is also sensitive and believed me when I told her about encounters or strange dreams. And even though I was in a camp surrounded by people, these conversations were not the kind you wanted to have with the people you barely knew. So here it is. Hey Sam, help me analyse this. Last night I started to have a dream where I went to work, or I was just off shift but still at work. My station was on the Colwood Strip, and in reality there's no such station. I was sitting in the sun at a picnic table, in a green space between my station and a used car lot. 
I was watching a family and their relative work in their backyard, which was perched on the edge of a huge cliff, maybe 150 or 200 feet above me. They had a large older house with a small flatty grass yard, but no fence before the cliff. One man was on one side of the yard digging, another man was moving rocks to the other side of the yard, and a woman was weeding along the house. I was fixated on them because I was wondering why they would have a house on the side of a cliff like that. How scary that must be. I was watching the man moving rocks. I noticed he was moving a large one and struggling with it. He lost his balance and started to fall forward. He dropped the rock but could not gain control of his footing and fell off the side of the cliff. I then watched in horror as he fell, hitting trees and ledges all the way down. His family did not notice. I snapped out of my horror and started screaming up at them, waving my arms frantically. Finally, the woman heard and noticed what I was signalling at. I could hear their screams. I could see their panic. Out of breath, I ran to the station and told the crew to suit up as I had just witnessed a man fall off a cliff. I grabbed the hard collar bag, airway bag and ran out of the door, knowing that they would bring the rest. I then called 911, now very much out of breath. I explained what I saw about how far the drop was where I thought he might be, and that I will need an ambulance, advanced life support and fire. I ran out to the edge of a flatbed truck that was parked on the edge of the lot and looked out. Just at that moment, two brown horses ran through the green buffer zone between the mountain and the businesses. Not the actual layout of that area. And there, pretty well below where I was standing, the horses walked around the body of a man. As soon as I saw him, all I could focus on were his eyes. He looked dead. I ran off the truck and into the pathway to get to him. When I got to him, I felt for his cartoid pulse. It was there, but weak. He was breathing faintly. But his eyes were now fixed on me and wild with terror. I told him to stay laying down in case of spinal injury. I held his head and told him help was coming that I would not leave him until help had arrived. His bloodshot eyes fixed on me the whole time. In the distance I could hear the crew coming. They got to me and took over, but the man stared at me the whole time. Then I started to wake up. It was around 3am. I didn't sleep well the rest of the night. Needless to say, I'm so tired today. I sent this to my friend and we talked about how being bored and stuck in a set routine in the middle of nowhere can allow the brain to process things more vividly. We joked about how I must be missing home and working for our local ambulance service. A couple of days later she messages me in a panic and tells me this. So I had to go to Glen Lake today to drop off bath bombs. We got distracted and missed the turn off. We had to go through Colwood. Took some extra time. Got into Jacqueline and watched an old man stagger and lumber into the bush and down an embankment. Called 911. Waited for the ambulance. He was covered in blood on his arms and face. I thought he was dead. Then the paramedics came and Chad helped me get him to the sidewalk. He got up, looked me in the eye and said, Hey, you need to take care of this guy. So weird. It wouldn't have happened if we didn't miss our turn and go through Colwood. 
and I, of course, thought of you and was looking for signs and messages. What a weird day, man. And my intuition told me to leave early today, so now we're right on schedule for everything else. Meant to be. So, as like I said, that, that was a listener story, and that is Victoria. <laughs> and I, I know that strip, and so I, I was shocked when I saw this. I'm not familiar <laughs> with the accident in question, but I mean, you know, accidents happen all the time and they're not publicly reported. But I was trying to figure out what the significance is of the horses in the dream. Mm. So, you guys have any thoughts? I, I always loved as a kid, especially when we got the internet, the whole idea of dream diaries and dream dictionaries, you know, and seeing what things allegedly meant and all that carry on. But in, in relation to that, I, I kind of, I don't know, I struggle to see how it ties in. It's odd because they're mentioned, but they don't seem to to have any effect other than the fact that are they guiding the, the dreamer to the injured person? Because they're obviously stood around them. Yeah. Oh yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's possibly, an interesting yeah, thought. That's a good shout. Oh. But why a horse? Well, great question. There's, there's maybe this super advanced race of horse people communicating to us through our dreams and we're just too unevolved or not evolved enough to, uh, to fully comprehend it. It's the only <laughs> thing that makes sense, Paul. <laughs> we've had the cacazoids. Now we've got the horse people. The horse, horseians? <laughs> what, what, do we, what do we call them? The horseoids? Horsine? Don't know. The horse, the horse, the horse folk. <laughs> <laughs> I, Kev, I noticed you've closed the door. <laughs> Has he? I, I, I hasn't closed the door. The door oh. is closed. The cat was in in here earlier, but um, so she she I don't know if she'd managed to close the door on the way out, but she, she may very well managed. She, she may well okay. have done that. I it's, I I only mentioned it because I thought you I I figured you were kind of going well. Screw this! I'm not going to be dealing with like looking at the crack in the door anymore. So you, no, no, but, no. Uh, I actually, funny enough, I actually opened the door because I want the cat to be able to come in and out. So. Oh God! So, folks, I'm uh, I'm un- un- unintentionally psychologically torturing our friend Kev here because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> earlier in the recording, I thought I saw something move kind of around head height, and he's currently alone in his house. And uh, now, yeah, the I noticed the door behind him was closed, and so I thought he closed it because he was tired of looking at the crack, waiting to see if something was moving. Uh, and he's just informed me that no, in fact, he did not close it. So. No, in fact, Kev wants the the would very much like it to remain open so that the cat can come and go as she pleases. It's closed because otherwise again. she feels a little bit trapped. It's just closed. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, I I just watched that happen. Yeah, I just saw the door close. Oh fuck! That's off. wild. That's not like. <laughs> yeah, you opened it, and it was ajar, oh, and then it God, slowly just... closed on itself. Um, it's got to be an air pressure thing because we. I know. It has to be because I mean here, like if, if one of the guys has their windows open and no one else does, my door it will like pull in its frame like someone's trying to get in, but it's just the the air pressure tugging on it. That's that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why would it start now though? Don't say shut that, up, Paul. Don't <laughs> <laughs> say that, Paul. Unless your heating's just kicked in. Oh, no, it's, I've left. I've purposely left it off because of the recording. Because when it comes on, it uh, it, it it sends clicks and weird noises throughout the house, and they want it to be picked up on the thing. So, mm. so it's gonna it's only gonna go on when I finish this recording. Mm. Well, I tell so you, that's I, um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, cracking. I watched that thing out. close. My heart was in my throat. <laughs> as long as it's not twenty to midnight when this is happening, then that's fine. No. But, um, <laughs> Sadly, it what is. What could go wrong? Well, Six this may be the last time. <laughs> the last time any of us hear from Kevin John Eustace. Yeah, yeah it's been a pleasure. <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's been fun. 
Oh God, yeah. You know, if you could actually feel my heartbeat now, honestly, God, honest to God, honest to God, there'll be there'll be a rational, like obviously there'll be a rational explanation for it. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, the, the reason I think it's probably air pressure or something is if it was something that's like spooky, you, the door would close and it, it never got over the hump of the the actual, you know, the yes. doorknob. Yeah, it's a good point. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just maybe it's not strong enough to shut it. Paul, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Honest to God. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Oh, <laughs> uh, that ain't good. That ain't good. Is it, no, it hasn't moved. It's fine. Don't say that. I'm, no, it hasn't. It hasn't moved at all. No, since since you opened it wide, it hasn't moved. So it's again. Good, yeah. So it would hopefully, you know, reconfirm airflow. Airflow. If it, if it slams shut, though, I'm going to shit myself. If it slams shut, mate, I'm jumping through that fucking window and I do not care. <laughs> Double glazed. There'll be a Kev-shaped hole. I'm f- telling you right now. <laughs> I almost spit coke all over my new laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if, if it slams shut, I would be going to a plumber and saying, have you ever seen a toilet do this? <laughs> it, will, it will be that full. Uh, there'd be more than talent coming out of your ass. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's, it's semi-happening now, I'm telling you. I can't oh. stop watching it. <laughs> oh, this isn't a good feeling. This isn't a good feeling. Well, on that note. On that bombshell. This has been our terrifying horse episode, which uh, it was even more terrifying for our poor friend Kev, because I'm going to leave most yep. of that in so you will all understand what's happening here. Um, again, it appears to have been air pressure. The door has not moved since. Yeah. yeah. But uh, does that back I, up? Or do, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's air pressure. Let's just leave it at that. It's air pressure. It's air pressure. Nothing, it does, it does, nothing else makes sense. Yeah, I'm not so. saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, 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 if the thing the thing is, if, if Brennan hadn't, hadn't said at the start, something walked past that crack in the door earlier, mm. right now I'd be thinking, yeah, it's just air pressure. <laughs> but now I'm sleeping with every light on in the fucking house. It's going to be like Black Pool <laughs> Illuminations here tonight. It really is. You'll see my house from space. <laughs> that much illumination, I'm telling you. Yeah. There's airplanes landing on, on Kev's place. <laughs> exactly. <yeah>. Balloons. Yeah. <laughs> Good well, Kev, just, I'm, we're sorry for the psychological torture, but it was a great fun having you here, man. I oh, know it's always a pleasure. Genuinely, genuinely, thanks, guys. I, I truly, I truly do really appreciate. It. I always love coming on, and you, you know, um, there's nothing better than uh, you know, you know, because I enjoy this topic more than most. Hence, having the podcasts. Um, but you know, I also at the same time bow down to superior podcasters. Uh, Brennan, you know, you got your like, you're an audio god, and um, oh, geez, you know, P- Paul's a, a, a paranormal wizard when it comes to knowledge. So oh, it's always you, a pleasure Kevin, to be on. That's, that's deeply humbling. Thank you. You're a, no, you're no, a wonderful, genuinely wonderful so. podcaster yourself, mate. I love love your work. And thank you very much. So no, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's been a genuine pleasure, chaps, and I, I sincerely appreciate the invite. So thank you very much. Always nice oh, to spend time in your company, Kev. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm off to deal with um, some air pressure. <laughs> I'm only a Facebook Sushi. message away, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I'll be there in two hours. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Closer than me, so, you know. <laughs> oh, there was a glitch there. Too, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, I, I just noticed. <laughs> That's air pressure. Yeah. Air it looked pressure. like a black face. Yeah. <laughs> all air pressure. That's all it is. It's just air It's pressure. all air pressure. Yeah, air pressure in the internet. I'm sure it's a total coincidence that our, our uh, internet connection cratered 
at exactly the same time as your door closed itself. Yes. Yes. If you could plug in like some sort of um, body monitoring sensors <laughs> now, you'd be howling at what's going on in my <laughs> on my internal side. Yeah. Hands, my hands are fucking sweaty, like like mum's <laughs> spaghetti, as you say. Um, I'm hearing a flapping sound, but I'm not sure where that's coming from, Kev. Oh god, <laughs> it might be coming from you, mate. It could be coming. <laughs> yeah, no, it more than likely is. It more than likely is. It more than likely is. Well, oh, well. you know, the first, the first time it closed again, like I, I, I wish I'd seen it close because if I'd known that you hadn't closed it, I wouldn't have even brought it up. I would never have said anything because I would, that was just would have been dickish. But the, I, I thought, oh yeah, he's, he's tired of me making jokes. So he just closed the door. Um, no, yeah. no, well, it, I clo- mean, it closed from me starting the last story to me finishing it. It shut. Right. I mean, at one point I started at one point during a story, I turned around and I, I, I opened it more because I thought the crack was too small because I want the cat to have free reign. So, mm. because if the thing is, if the door's shut, she closes the door, which would obviously oh, interfere yeah. with all of this. Yeah. So, so she has to have free reign. So, so yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Again, we've, we have, uh, we, we, we send our good friend t- off into the, uh, the dark of an English night all alone in his house. Amazing. And we, if anyone we'll wants to stay right over, back. by the way, you know, you're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost story sleepover. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be sleeping on the couch tonight. I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. That's and, fair. Yeah, Let the burglars yeah. take you. It's better. Yeah. yeah. They can't, they can be safer. <laughs> Get you out. Yeah. All right then chaps. Well, thank you very much. It's, 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 um, it's been an absolute honor. Thank you very much. Likewise, my pleasure. Friend. We'll be right back. Hey there, listeners. Before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button, I promise you this isn't an ad. We wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health. On this show, I've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety, because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do, there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help. And when you start to feel like there's no help, it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help. We're not going to try and talk you out of self-harming right now because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it and make a phone call or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well just how important mental health can be. It's never too late to reach out. In Canada, the number to call is 133-456-4566. In the USA, the new number to call is 988. That's 988. In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT. That's S-H-O-U-T. To 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 1311. 
one four. However bad shit seems, it will pass. And no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, please know that we've both been where you are and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. Thanks again to Kevin Eustace, host of The Dark Paranormal. We need to talk about ghosts. Hopefully not the late Kevin Eustace, given everything that's <laughs> gone on in his house. Jesus Christ. I should, we'll check in with him after recording. Hopefully he's just having his sushi in peace. Or oh, sharing it. Well, or, or that. <laughs> all right, I'll answer so. that age-old question. Do, do ghosts like fish? Maybe that's it. They were just waiting for him to break out the sushi this whole time. That's why they were pacing the about. They were starving. Well, we did keep him on the line for almost four hours. <laughs> <laughs> thanks also to sarah anthony luke joseph and everyone else who's a part of the ghost story guys family don't forget to check out luke's podcast luke lore available everywhere fine podcasts live his latest episode just came out it is called dragons of the deep and it is about uh, the folklore of aquatic monsters and it's uh, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun you can also check out joseph's show the cardinal rule on youtube Again, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, and that is a show about Arizona Cardinals football. And of course, thanks to you, my friend and co-host, the inimitable Paul Bestel, the paranormal Johnny Carson, host of Mysteries and Monsters. Paul, what's coming up on Eminem? Well, this week, you can have a double dose of Brennan as he joins me to talk about his book, A Strange Little Place on Mysteries and Monsters, and preceded before the legend that is the return of Paul Sinclair. So you're in great company, my friend. Ooh, fabulous. I am indeed in great company. Listen to me try not to swear on Paul's show before ultimately giving up. <laughs> and where can everyone find you online? You can find Mysteries and Monsters across all podcast aggregators, and you can find Mysteries and Monsters on all social media platforms. And our website is mysteriesandmonsters.com. Brilliant. I'm Largely the Truth on Twitter and Instagram. You can find my archived interview podcast, Largely the Truth, with Brennan Store, everywhere fine podcasts live. And of course, as I mentioned, Weird Together is now available on podcast platforms. Of course, the show uh, goes further back than we have audio archives for, but you'll have at least five episodes to listen to. So again, if you want to hear me and Joseph wax on, they're nice and concise episodes, they're about 45 minutes, about the latest and greatest in independent horror films. If you, basically, if you want to listen to someone to talk about horror films, to recommend some stuff to you, who doesn't sound like a gatekeeping dick, then Weird Together is for you. As we said at the top of the show, if you want to join the Ghost Story Guys Patreon team, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have all kinds of cool stuff over there. $5 a month gets you in the door for all the bonus stuff. There's bonus shows, Book of the Dead, host adventures. Almost every episode you get bonus outtakes from of me and Paul, so anywhere from 20 to 20 minutes to up to an hour of bonus conversations about whatever's going on in our lives, Marvel movies, all kinds of nonsense. It's a ton of fun. And again, you get all of that at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. If you want to get in touch, shoot us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We love getting your stories, hearing you, hearing what you think about the show, hearing how the show has affected your life. We love that kind of stuff. And again, you can send all of that to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook as facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have a Ghost Story Guys Facebook group now. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. 
And we're on Instagram as the Ghost Story Guys. And of course, I, I mentioned this briefly, but I didn't have a chance to, to uh, spend a lot of time on it. I want to say our listener, Jen, looked me up because she happened to be in Montreal. And so that is always an option. If you're going to be nearby to one of us, it is always possible. We can't promise it, but it is possible we can arrange a meetup. So shoot us an email and we'll see what we can do. Again, that's ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Shout out again to our composer, Rainy Days for Ghosts. Rainy Days for Ghosts is the project of film journalist and composer Jerry Smith. You can find Jerry's music streaming as Rainy Days for Ghosts on music platforms everywhere. And of course, if you want to hire them for your next project, shoot them an email at rainydaysforghosts at gmail.com. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Goes, composed and performed by Peter Kursov of Pizanta Music. Find more from him by searching for Pizanta Music wherever you get your tunes. Our stories theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by searching for Hexagram wherever you get your music. Remember, that's Hexagram with two X's, not three. And I guess that's going to do it. Well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, but until then... Into the darkness we go. Sounds like I'm jerking off. Let's not hit our hand in front of the microphone. Good so boy. much like podcasting. Anyways, sorry, Laro. It's very proactive. Keeps me out of trouble, Paul. Keeps me out of trouble. Well, Laro, this has been a trip, hey? Mm. Strange things are afoot. Didn't even have to go to the Circle K. <laughs> you can, sorry, it's been a strange day today. I had to have a nap earlier. I was absolutely oh, wow. fucked. Shit. So, <clears throat> I was done. I don't know why. I just caught, caught me. I think it was that weird dream about Colombo. Anyway. <laughs> I'll do it. Laro, this is not a confession. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed a lot of lotion bottles turning up and anything? I'm sure there's meant right. to be a horse in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Nay, lad. <laughs>